Well, hi, everybody. It is Rachel Amaday, and you are listening to The Spiritual Exercises. Here is where we talk about some difficult parts of Scripture. We challenge mainstream thought about Scripture, and we really try to go look deeply at what the Bible actually has to say. Uh, We are going to start digging more into culture as well, which I'm very much looking forward to. In the meantime, I got to do a fantastic interview with Dr. Douglas Hamp last week on The Pursuit. And if you all don't know about The Pursuit, I'm going to share the link in the comment section below this podcast so that you can go and follow Jeff and John over there. They let me come in and do some interviews every once in a while in their studio. We had some, I will say this, just a a fair forewarning before you dig into what I'm going to share today. We had some major sound issues and there are sections of the interview that got cut out. And so I tried my best to edit it together uh, to make some sense. And you're going to get lots and lots of snippets of great ideas from this interview still, but there's just some weird sound stuff going on in there. And so um, hopefully it won't be too distracting and it won't be overwhelming for you. Um, In the meantime, I'm just excited to share this interview with you all because Doug and I got to talk about a little bit about his theories about the end times and what's going to take place and how things are going to be perceived. Who are the two witnesses? How do aliens come into play? How does our kind of the cultural softening towards the idea of aliens that has happened recently, how could that be used in the end times and what people think they're they're seeing versus what they're actually seeing? And how is Satan going to use that to discuss? guys himself and what he's doing. Um, There are really, really great theories that Doug shares. I love this conversation because we can't be overly dogmatic about any of our theories. Some of them are just theories, but I am constantly hoping to help prepare other people to kind of be ready for anything and definitely to be prepared to endure through the end times um, or to teach your children how to do that. But Doug shares some great insight. One thing that parts of this that had to get cut out that we discussed was the idea of the seed. And in scripture, almost everything is related to plant life, right? We see the seed, uh, the idea of a seed, the idea of DNA of, of a plant being in the seed of something. Obviously we know the DNA of human life is in the seed. Um, All the information you need to build something is right there at the very beginning in the seed. And we talk about the idea of it from bit, that first the information has to be there before anything can be created or come out of it. Um, There's an ancient rabbinical idea that everything that you see, the physical things that you see in the universe are the clothing for the spiritual. And that's why you can see the movement, you can see things happening in the physical, but it's the clothing for what's happening in the spiritual realm. And I really believe that the Bible discusses this as well as it talks about, you know, we're like plants in a field or we're like trees. Um, There's so much you can learn from the physical environment about the spiritual realm, but make no mistake, there is a physical version of so much that's happening in scripture that oftentimes Christians believe are only spiritual principles when they're actually things that are happening in the physical realm as well. And we need to be able to take that into consideration when we go in to study scripture and stop separating the physical and the spiritual all the time, because that actually is Gnosticism. It's it's actually this idea that, you know, the physical is bad and it's terrible and the spiritual is the only good thing. And, you know, no, that's not really 
how creation works. And so there's a physical and a spiritual version of a lot of what we see happening in scripture. And so you need to understand a literal interpretation of much of scripture, not all of it, but of much of scripture before you can understand the spiritual interpretation. And it's another reason why reading Revelation can be so difficult for people because they tend to not be able to apply it to the physical realm. But Doug does a great job of helping us apply what we're seeing in Revelation to the physical realm. And so I'm so excited to share this with you. Let's just get right to it. Uh, You know, if you need to turn down your speaker or that sort of thing, heading into this interview, just because of some of the sound issues, um, you might want to try to do that. I would still encourage you to listen and shoot out any questions with some of the editing I did. You might feel like too much is missing. So uh, feel free to send me any questions you have. Well, hi, everybody. This is Rachel Amaday here at The Pursuit. No, I'm not Jeff or John, um, those big muscular guys you're used to watching on this channel. But every once in a while, Jeff and John let me come in and interview someone fantastic. And today we have with us Dr. Doug Hamp. He has written a book series that I'm so excited to share with you all with some theories about the end times that I have never heard before, but I think make a lot of sense and actually tie into what we know about the Bible. Um, we are using the studio for the first time. This is my first time using the studio and we have some friends in the background. So if you hear some extra noise, it's people, not animals or aliens or anything else we might be discussing today. Um, so I'm excited to get started. So I met you because we started attending the way congregation. I don't remember how long that was ago, but, um, and you started you know, adding into some of your preaching, these fascinating ideas about the end times. And so I was blessed enough to get a hold of your books. Um, and just, I've been fascinated by this particular aspect of your teaching. Why don't you tell our pursuit, pursuit viewers a little bit about yourself, your history and how you got here? All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. Um, I went to the Hebrew university of Jerusalem in Israel and I got my master's degree there. I then went later went on and um, did a PhD at the Louisiana Baptist University and I submitted corrupting image volume one uh, as my dissertation and uh, I call that um, angels aliens and the Antichrist revealed and I thought I had written all there was to say on the topic um, but I discovered of course there's always more that can be said and I've written two more volumes uh, since then on this this particular topic um, I'm really interested in of course, the end times, but then I think we have to take the end times sort of out of that kind of, uh, um, you know, the, the, the felt board <laughs> kind of Jesus perspective, right, where he's very two-dimensional. <clears throat> and um, and a lot of times you don't connect the dots with what is happening today. How would that translate? And so in, in my books, what I've, what I've tried to do is say, how is the world going to see this versus how the Bible presents it? I think God is giving us his perspective, which is incredibly important. But I think we, sometimes we need to sort of reverse engineer that and say, you know, if this were the world looking at this, how are they going to interpret these particular things? Right. Yeah. 
I find that people who have been to Israel, kind of studied over there, they have a very different view of scripture and that they've actually been able to see the area where some of this stuff took place. They've been able to physically look at archaeological sites or, you know, libraries, different information. And it really kind of forms a view of scripture that's a little bit different than those of us who haven't been able to visit or maybe come from kind of a Western or Greek mindset and don't know how to put scripture kind of properly in context. So did that experience shape and form your views or not? Well, yes, I, I think absolutely. And probably in a lot of ways that are hard to identify exactly. But um, I, I remember having a conversation with a friend years ago and he was suggesting that I really see things outside of the box because I didn't go to seminary, but I went to Israel and I, I did my studies there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, exactly how that translates is, is, you know, it's hard to put my finger on, but there's a lot of things that living in Israel, learning the languages, especially Hebrew, um, is, in, is incredibly important, right? So it's not this Greek mindset that we often have uh, and this New Testament first mindset, which is a whole different topic, right? But it's it's understanding that we really have a, a compendium of 66 books that are absolutely integrated in every every way. They're all incredibly relevant. And it's really about one particular people. It's about the nation of Israel. That is the big story, right? It's about the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants all the way through, right? Even up till Revelation 22, it's all about that story. And then of course, we all have a part to play in that. Uh, people that are in the church, so to speak, uh, have an identity in that, but but that's the big story. And so God is working this this plan of redemption. I mean, it's it's ultimately the, the redemption of mankind, right? But then very specifically, it's about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants and how this is all going to work out. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have an adversary, right? Satan is the adversary. And in Corrupting Image 2, I really wanted to understand why is it that we believe in this being known as Satan, the Bible talks a lot about him. Jesus talked a lot about Satan. He had encounters with Satan, but we don't find that name anywhere in the ancient world. Mm. And so in Corrupting Image Volume 2, I set to understand where we find him. And of course, in the book of Revelation, we, we hear about the great dragon. He's a great red dragon, in fact. Uh, why does he have these particular epithets? Well, it turns out once you connect a few dots, he's everywhere in the ancient world. And I was really excited to discover that there's this being known as Enlil, which we actually find that word in Isaiah chapter 14, where it says how um, you have fallen, O Lucifer, that's the English, but really the Hebrew is O Helel, which is O Enlil. Yeah, I, I found that part of corrupting the image to really fascinating, actually, that I hear even Christians have these weird theories about revelation and how it was written. And you hear people talk about, Oh, you know, he had some sort of drug experience and was, yeah, I mean, they, you know, they, they put whatever influence they want to in it. But what you reveal is that so much of the imagery that John is explaining is something that you ancient cultures already. It was familiar. It wasn't some weird new idea. Particularly, you talk about the woman riding the beast. Mm. Could you explain a little bit just about that one image before we, we keep going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so the woman, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the woman that rides the beast uh, is Inanna or Ishtar. And there was a cylinder seal 
from about 2300 BC, where uh, she, she's naked, she's on the back of this hybrid, hybridized creature that's part lion, eagle, it's got wings, uh, it's spewing out venom, and it's, it's more or less the same thing that we find in Revelation chapter 9, mm-hmm. right? The imagery is all there. And why this is important, and this is what I, I, I lead into in uh, part three, is that what the ancient world gods or angels, we now call them aliens, right? So that's the big takeaway. And I, I do not believe in aliens from Mars or from Alpha Centauri or from any other you know, solar system or, or galaxy like that. But I do believe that there are other beings known as angels, demons, fallen angels, whatever, and they are masquerading as aliens. And so we just have to, again, connect some of the dots and we see, oh, these are the same entities that were doing their stuff way back then. Now they're doing it today, but under a different guise. Right. And it's, this isn't like fairy tale. So I don't know if all of you are aware, the Department of Defense, I believe, released lots of video in the last few years of these strange encounters with some sort of technology that we are unaware of, or at least they're claiming we're unaware of. Who knows what that technology belongs to or whatnot? Um, And their theories abound, but of course, people are talking aliens. Um, And these videos actually exist and these testimonies from fighter pilots and these different exercises that, you know, the military was running when they encountered these beings, these all actually do exist. And so we are being kind of softened to the idea because they're mm-hmm. calling it aliens. Right. We would say maybe it's demons or maybe somebody has come up with something we couldn't <laughs> possibly fathom, right? right yeah. But, you know, we're being softened to this idea of aliens. So how do you think that works out to the benefit of, um, I guess, what we see play out in Revelation to kind of understand, okay, how, how could this actually occur? And people would believe, you know, these wild things would be taking place and, you know, Right. How does this come to happen? Yeah. Well, you know, it, it says in Second Thessalonians that because they did not believe, they did not have a love for the truth, mm-hmm. they're going to receive the strong delusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is the truth? Well, in Revelation 11, it tells us about two witnesses who are going to come and they are going to present to the world God's truth. Right. This is what witnesses do. They're clothed in sackcloth. Sackcloth is always a, a symbol for repentance. Uh, when Jonah went to Nineveh and they repented, what did they do? They put on sackcloth. Mm-hmm. And that's to, to show their incredible repentance. Well, these guys are coming saying, repent, because God is about to come. He always sends a messenger or a witness before uh, this big cataclysmic event. We see that Noah was that person who brought this message of repentance before the flood. We know that Lot was the person that brought it to Sodom and Gomorrah, and they did not repent. Uh, and of course, Jonah went to Nineveh, right? So the evil of mankind is going to reach up to God's face, it says in Revelation 18. And that's when he, he basically gets so high, he's like, you know what? I can't ignore this anymore. I've got to do something. And so that's when he's going to say, okay, that's it, end of the world. But before that happens, he's going to send two witnesses to warn the world mm-hmm. to repent. Now, sometimes in end time scenarios, those two individuals get kind of put down to a very minor role. But I think they're huge. I think they are the star attraction because they're going to come. They are going to uh, tell the world about what's coming. 
they are going to have powers to stop it from raining for three and a half years. Mm. Look, it's bad right now. We're having worldwide droughts right now. Uh, the entire northern hemisphere is having heat waves, and we're not liking it. But we still have water, and that's pretty cool, right? It's still raining. Uh, it rained just a couple of days ago right here in, in Denver, so that was really awesome. But imagine now three and a half years with no rain. That's going to cause worldwide devastation, forest fires. And we see in Revelation, it says that a third of the trees are going to be wiped out. The two are going to bring, uh, they're going to be able to uh, or, um, send water, blood into the waters, mm -hmm. right? That's going to cause a huge fish die out, right? And then this is going to affect, obviously, prices. It's going to affect food. So there's going to be massive scarcity. And they're the ones who will be blamed by the world, and rightfully so. But the reason that they're doing this is to authenticate their message, mm -hmm. to say, this is nothing. You think this is bad? It's going to get worse. You need to repent. The world's going to say, no way, Jose. All right? And then they can also strike the earth with plagues as often as they desire. Mm -hmm. Now, the world's not going to just stand by idly and say, oh, this is okay. They're going to try to stop them. I mean, this only makes sense, right? If you have a, a worldwide threat, you're going to try to stop whatever is threatening you. So they're going to send in the army, the the, the rangers, the, the Navy SEALs, etc., and they're not going to be able to stop them because it says that if anybody tries to harm them, they can send out fire from their mouth, all right, or maybe from heaven, whatever. But they're going to have fire to be able to stop whoever is coming. And we see this in the story of Elijah when, uh, you know, three units of 50 came and said, you got to come with us, man of God. He says, if I'm a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and it just consume yeah. them, right? <laughs> so that's going to be pretty crazy, right, when yes. this happens. So now you have this existential threat to planet Earth. Maybe they're aliens. Right. Like, they're probably aliens because, you know, yeah, they look like us, but they're far superior. To right, so the two witnesses who are on God's side are going to be viewed as the bad the hostile aliens who are causing an existential threat to planet Earth. Um, when we use the term peaceful, I think we use it meaning he's nice and he's never destroying anything, right? And he's very sweet. And, you know, after Jesus came, God changed and he's just like squishy, your buddy. And he just prayed. Like, you right. know, we have this view of God that he's just there for all the good things. But God judges. Right. And um, he does get to a place where he's like, enough, there's been enough evil done on the earth. There's been enough defilement. We've got to, you know, we've got to rescue it, but this is the route. Right. Um, and I think it's something many believers would be surprised at if they saw it happen, right? <laughs> right. They'd be like, what is going on? You know, I thought these were going to be good guys and they're making our lives miserable or they're making life miserable. Right. Them. Yeah. Right. No, it's an actually amazing point. It, it's, you know, God is basically the grandfather in the sky that lets you do whatever you want. Right. You know, oh, you're so cute. You can do no wrong. And look, God loves us. No question does he love us, but he's also righteous. Yes. Right. And, you know, he has to, as the as the cosmic judge, right? It's never easy, right? Like you want to give good to this person, but that's what God's going to do, and He's going to send the two witnesses to say, "Time's up." You know, uh, I love you, but you need to come clean here, uh, or when I do come, it's going to be really ugly. Right. And I think the world's going to say, "There's no way that this could be." This isn't a good God, right. which is always the claim, right? right. That, well, if that's God, this isn't a good God. Yeah. And then you're saying that when Satan comes along or, you know, 
whatever version he uses to take these guys out, mm-hmm. the world's going to see this as a, they're, they're going to rejoice. Exactly. They're going to see this as a celebratory moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there's a movie called Prometheus. And uh, in the beginning of the movie, you see these humanoid aliens that come to planet earth. They take some potion. One of them takes a potion that kind of starts to disintegrate him. And then he, his DNA, you know, his body falls into a river. And then millions of years later, here we are. Like life came from this dude, mm-hmm. right? So he's the progenitor of life on planet Earth. And then fast forward, you know, some hundreds of years in the future, humanity decides to go visit the creator, right? And, you know, they do all this effort to go and visit the home planet and they get there and it turns out they don't like him. Mm-hmm. The creator is a real jerk, mm-hmm. right? We don't like that, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, he's a bozo. He's trying to eat us, and we want nothing to do with him, right? But the the basic premise is, you know, they're evolved beings. We also are evolved beings, mm. right? So take this this basic idea of evolution, right? This is why um, evol- just pure evolution. If we're talking pure evolution, you know, materialistic evolution, is the idea that everything evolved. And even if there are some incredibly advanced beings out there, they evolved. And that means that we can evolve, mm-hmm. right? So what God uh, has been, we can become is the basic scenario. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, maybe he seeded life on planet Earth, but we still don't like him and we're not going to serve him. And with the right technology, we could evolve to be just like that and we could overcome him. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the basic scenario. Because it says in Revelation that all mankind... <clears throat> especially those who take the mark of the beast are going to come together to fight against Jesus, fight against Yeshua. Right. Right. They, they, in a sense, know what they're doing. I don't think they quite understand the magnitude of who God is, but this is part of the, del- the delusion right. that we can probably take on God. Yeah. I bet we could do that, yeah. but they're not going to just do it in their current form. Right. This is really important to understand. So we have to back up a little bit, right? So you have these two witnesses they are, they're causing havoc. What do you do? Well, you want to call on somebody who probably has equal power that can overcome them. And this is where Satan shows up. Now, he doesn't come and say, hey, I'm Satan. But he comes as this guy who's kind of been watching over planet Earth. Uh, The movie The Eternals really brought this out, where you have these, uh, these highly advanced beings who have been watching over planet Earth just to make sure that the... um, the deviants don't get out of line too much, mm. right? And that's their sole job. And I think that's the basic premise that we're going to have, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, um, you know, Satan and his crew have been kind of watching over, silently watching over the earth to make sure that nobody really attacks us too much. And, you know, if you start looking in a lot of the New Age and uh, other type of religions, Satan or some variation on that theme, you know, he's the good guy who's been trying to free us. Right? He, he's the one who, who helped us to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. right? Uh, or, the, you know, the tree of knowledge is what they want to talk about, right? Because God didn't want us to have the tree of knowledge, right? right? And everything was going great back at the Tower of Babel. But then guess, who's, guess who scrambled the languages? That God of the Bible, yeah, I'm sure he's real, but he's a jerk. We don't like him. And we need to somehow fight against him. Mm-hmm. So Satan comes and says, I've got this solution you know everybody needs to come together give me your authority essentially and i'm going to choose a person and i'm
or some people say, wait a second, Satan doesn't have DNA. But yes, he does. All right. And speaking to the serpent, to Satan, between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Right. Right. So we understand that her seed is referring to the Messiah. Right. And Jesus did come in the form of flesh. Right. We know that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. She became pregnant and Jesus was born. <clears throat> so, um, you know, and here's, here's the, the, the really quick uh, thumbnail approach is that DNA or a seed is information. Right. Right. So once you grasp that. I think a lot of believers read the Bible from the perspective of a verse like that, his seed versus her seed. They see it as only a spiritual principle. Mm. And I have found more and more that, um, and I can't remember where I read this. I think this was an old rabbinical idea, but that what you see is the clothing for the spirit behind it, right? Mm. So the whole universe is the clothing and it moves from the spirit behind it, but there has to be a physical version of it. Well, you know, you start getting into quantum physics, you start to discover that really nothing exists, right? It's all, there is no matter as such, right? Einstein said that there is no matter. We've all been wrong. He said that um, when we talk about matter, we're just talking about little vibrations of energy, mm -hmm. right? So, okay. Little vibrations of energy, right? There's, there's no, I mean, the table feels real, but it's not really, it, it's just packets of information or energy. All right. And, and essentially, you know, all the main big name quantum physicists have said the same type of thing. And they even talk about how all matter came out of a mind. Right. Right. I mean, that I think is such a cool go, concept. Right. Hello. <laughs> right. Or that yeah. it has to be observed. Well, who's the ultimate observer? Right. For all things to be working together. Obviously, God, right. who claims he's the one, you know, it's his word that holds all things together. It all makes a lot of sense. The more yeah. you dig into the science of it, the Bible's very scientifically accurate, yes. which is um, good news for the believer, I think, because we've been accused otherwise uh, very, very often. So I, I want to get to one more really interesting part of your theory here before we have to hop off. Um, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about Nimrod, but I also wanted to talk about this hybridized kind of version, uh, human slash spiritual entity that you think is going to occur or that you think um, this is what people will believe they're accepting when they're accepting the mark of the beast, that mm -hmm. they will be able to extend their life and they will have these godlike qualities. And it's kind of the same deception. I mean, what Satan did, right? This idea that I could be God. I could receive humanity, but this is a very physical thing that could take place actually, that people could accept something that would give them extra. Oh, right? absolutely. But then yeah. there's, they're stuck, which I think the Bible kind of describes that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the Bible talks about the mark of the beast, right? So, so my basic understanding is that Satan is going to choose this person. He's going to then overshadow this person in a way that the Holy spirit overshadowed Mary. But what he's going to do is impart his own DNA. Uh, he's going to fuse with this person. And you might say, oh, this sounds like just fiction. But it turns out there's a guy named Chris from Reno, Nevada, who had leukemia and he needed a bone marrow transplant. So a nice German donor uh, provided some bone marrow and a forensics lab was tracking Chris to kind of see the whole process. And they found that, you know, after, you know, so many weeks and months, 
that the DNA in his blood had changed to that of his donor. Mm. And then they found that the DNA in his semen changed to that of his donor. Right. And they're all freaking out. They're like, this is crazy. And you know, Chris is even on record saying, I, you know, it's really weird that I would disappear and somebody else would appear. Right. Now, Chris, the person is still there. Right. right? He, he hasn't, you know, evaporated. But genetically speaking, he's now a he's hybrid. A different person. He's a yes. hybrid. Right? He's, he's, he's been transformed. Right. So if Satan has seed, he's got information and he's able to then impart that, you know, into a human being. Which um, you know, I don't know the exact spec- you know specifics of how he's going to do that. I'm sure, he's a lot smarter than I am. But but the clues that I've been finding, I'm like it's absolutely doable, right? And we know this was happening back in Genesis chapter six. Right. Uh, you know, people are working very hard. Quantum entanglement is basically when you when you have two, uh, you have one particle, you maybe split it in two. These two daughter particles are now always going to be like best friends. Okay, they're right. now sisters, and whatever happens to one is going to happen to the other, mm. right? So if you could create some type of uh, quantum entanglement machine uh, that could then fuse these two, then you have this fusion of these two. And then he's gonna take that DNA, this new hybridized DNA, and offer it to humanity. Now, there's one more important element. I don't think humanity is gonna say, well, yeah, I wanna upgrade because I just wanna live longer. But I think what's gonna drive it more than anything is fear. Yes. Because after the the beast or this this now this avatar hybridized individual who now has satan's power is able to go and to kill the two witnesses right the world's going to rejoice yay they're done but three and a half days later they're going to rise from the dead Mm. and the world's going to freak out and these guys are going to then go up into the sky and presumably get reinforcements right? right so the world's freaking out what do we do you know we thought we could kill these guys. You know, you did, but now they're going to come back with all their their buddies. So I, I would suggest that this is where the beast or Satan is going to say, not to worry. You know, I, I was able to overcome them. If everybody got the upgrade, then we could fight whatever army is coming. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what is going to really be the driving force behind people saying, we have got to do this. Probably it'll be voluntary for a little while. Then it'll be uh, obligatory. And if you don't do it, you don't get to buy or sell. And if you still refuse, well, then obviously you're siding with the enemy. Right. And if you're a traitor to planet Earth, you're a traitor to humanity. We can't have you here anymore. And it'll likely all be under the guise. It's for your own good. Right. right? It's for the good of society. It's for your own good. It's going to probably have a really nice package around it. Oh, yeah. But yes, and and I think what I love about your explanation of these events is number one, I feel like it makes the Bible very real. Like if you didn't believe the Bible before the last, I would say, decade of technology and advancement, I don't know why you wouldn't believe it now. We are starting to see humans attempt kind of a transhumanist, you know, we can upgrade you. We'll be able to fix everything if we just have access to your brain Mm -hmm. or if we just have access to your DNA. Well, I mean, how many steps are we from this capability of actually being able to have a human upgrade. Right. But in the end, it to be have it be forced upon people, there will probably have to be these world events. But I mean, you can see how the Bible could play out. I think for the first time in my lifetime, I would say in the last decade, I could see, oh, this is how these events could actually take place 
and how people would be influenced. Because right. you go, how everybody knows not to take the mark, right? right. <laughs> everybody knows you're not supposed to do that, right? Like, no, how in the world are we going to convince people? But this idea, this theory, it makes a lot of sense. It also kind of helps us understand possibly the days of Noah, because I think when we read that time period, we think of it as so ancient and it's so otherworldly and it doesn't make any sense to us. But when you start talking about the science behind this and the possibilities, go, you know, Satan's always working to kind of get his end game. You know, and he's paying attention and he's got all this, he's got a lot of science down. So he's been over time figuring out ways to accomplish this, obviously. Um, And it just brings it to life. I, we are about out of time, but I just want to tell you guys, I am like in the middle of corrupting the image three. You're going to want to get all three books. Um, They're fascinating. There's history, archaeology, science, um, and just more amazing information for you to think about and chew on as you think about the end times and scripture and what scripture is actually telling us. Doug, where can people find you? They can go to DouglasHamp.com. They can get um, my resources. I have pretty much everything on the website. If they want to get something in the store, they can go there and get... um, Uh, if they're into uh, Kindle or Audible, they can, of course, go to Amazon.com. And that's where you can get the physical books as well as on Amazon.com. Perfect. I also want to mention he does a round. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash Doug Hamp. Okay. Yeah. Thank, you Thank you for being here. All right, you guys. Thanks for joining.